out of Austin, Texas. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Wow, good afternoon. It is Saturday afternoon on the last weekend, roughly, of September. Roughly. Um, we are in a lot of ups and downs and tumults financially. I think most people are focusing more on their money than they usually are. I believe this is day 46, but I'm going to da- go back and like try to make that clinical. Um, 46 of 100 days of call-in. I love you guys, but I'm, I'm really w- waiting for this to be over. So I just want to introduce a topic. We're going back to digital IDs and CBDCs. Um, it was vastly underreported, in my opinion, that uh, digital currencies went up for a committee hearing September 20th, which was basically four days ago, and all of the talkers who were invited to speak to our nation's leaders in charge of finance in our House committee says that there is a unanimous need to compete with China based on CBDCs. And those are currencies that are central bank digital currencies issued by the Fed. Now, I did mention earlier this week that the Fed is continuing to take public input on the matter of CBDCs. So if you have a a comment, a public comment about how you feel about it, uh, what they should do, what they should not do, how CBDCs should be administrated, contact your House representative, contact the members of the committee on the House Committee of Financial Services because they're taking up the issue to mark up right now and uh, it will be required to have a, a, you know, a quorum with a digital ID next. So um, if they have a stable coin uh, generated for the internet, the next thing they're going to require is digital ID to validate that quorum because they go hand in hand these days based on the know your, your customer policies that have been kind of incrementally punched down onto the public over the years. Um, you know, cash transactions for small things have been, they're, they're trying to edge them out into these new commodities-based, you know, bakeries and gas transaction, transaction transactions with QR codes, and of course, you know, being brutalized into the use of the internet um, through the course of the pandemic. They're like, yeah, it'll explode, it'll really take off. We've got them conditioned now for two years, and I don't, I don't think that's fair, because the pandemic was a use of force by our government, but also by global governments and by, unfortunately, indirectly by the, the state of China, the, the People's Republic of China. So I'm not going to allow China to tacitly launder their agenda, which was, you know, put on the table with glowing demand by the people that were invited to speak at this committee. So I'm just going to go there. Um, I have a list or a, uh, a source list of of things here up here. Hi, Amy. Glad to see you're back. Um, up here in the box where it says unsanctioned system, if you just push to the left, 
U.S. digital currency unanimous is right there and other sources that we'll be touching upon during the show. Okay, so, um, so I'll just go to this. So a U.S. digital currency unanimous need to compete with China House Committee. All invited speakers agree that the United States must, must, must launch a digital currency to remain globally competitive. I need a minute. I'm going to play this this uh, this uh, CBDC um, clip, and then and then I'll just read this to you. The world has changed. You feel it in your wallet. You feel it on the internet. You smell it in the politics. Much that once was is lost, for none now live remember it. It began with the ending of the gold standard. The U.S. dollar was no longer convertible for gold and therefore was no longer constrained by it. Divorced from the work required to mine the hard asset, gold, the U.S. dollar became a pure fiat currency. No longer tied to the scarcity of the earth, the money became tied to the whims of men who above all else desire power. And within the power of the printer was bound the threat of violence to govern many nations. The people were, all of them, deceived, for another financial instrument was made. In the land of excess, in the fires of inflation, the gerontocracy forged a new kind of currency to control all others. And into this currency they poured their desire for power and their will to surveil all life. One centralized currency to rule them all. But all was not lost. People from all sides began fighting for a decentralized permissionless money called Bitcoin. Finally, money was discovered that did not require violence to enforce. Bitcoin is money controlled by no one and available to everyone. Like your time and your energy, Bitcoin is scarce. There will only ever be 21 million and no government, banker, or billionaire can change the rules. The war on Bitcoin is coming and the FUD will be strong. The separation of money and state will not come easy. Yourself with information and fight the fun. Okay, I had to get that on my system. So, all invited speakers agreed that the United States must launch a digital currency to remain globally competitive. Five speakers at a hearing for the, and the source is decrypt. Five speakers at a hearing for the U.S. House Committee on Financial Services voted in favor of the U.S. developing some kind. How did they vote? They're speakers, they don't get to vote. They're not, they're not, ah. On developing some kind of national stable coin or CBDC on Tuesday, citing competition from China's pro- progress on digital currency. CBDCs are an acronym for the Central Bank Digital Currency, which is a digital version of a country's fiat currency. CBDCs typically exist on blockchain networks, which is similar to Bitcoin, but it is not independent of a of a government's regulations and and regulatory control environment. Uh, But they are centralized and regulated by the issuing country. In this case, the the, um, centralized and regulatory body would be the Fed. The U.S. House Subcommittee on National Security, International Development and Monetary Policy hosted the hearing today entitled, oh, and you're going to love this, Under the Radar, Alternate payment systems and the national security impacts of their growth. So Chairwoman Maxine Waters' opening statement 
was provided in this article. Guam House Representative Michael San Nicholas called for an on-the-record vote among the panel of witnesses in an effort to gauge the level of necessity for the U.S. government to establish some kind of digital currency like ACBDC. Okay? Okay, Guam. All, all five speakers agreed that there was a unanimous need. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that. The Wilson Center fellow, Scott DeWeek, a... Uh, or maybe it's DeWiki, Center for a New American Security, Research Assistant Emily Jin, and Atlantic Council non-resident senior fellow Dr. Carla Norloff, were three witnesses on the panel focused on the technology. Uh, I'm just going to take a little break here. TRM Labs head of the legal and government affairs, Ari Redboard, and chain analysis co-founder and chief strategy officer, Jonathan Levin, were also on the witness panel. See, there's a CBDC launch that's still uncertain. The panel's unanimity doesn't guarantee that U.S.-based CBDCs are in the cards. While the vote was simply to clarify the panel's position, the hearing and its key takeaways indicate that there is a strong chance a CBDC is on the horizon. Just a few months ago, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell said such an invention would be a very important financial innovation and is something we really need to explore as a country. So why should the U.S. government consider its own CBDC? The committee cited international sanctions, a desire to protect the value of the U.S. dollar and threats to national security. So those are the three big ones. International sanctions, from whom to whom. And would we be able to sanction our own people because it just so happens that the State Department seems to think that they can sanction American citizens using their foreign reach as a global quorum based on other regulatories from, say, like the World Health Organization. So if the regulatory body shifts outside of the United States to this global monolith, then you'll be dealing with regulations that come from somewhere else. And if the snakehead, the hidden snakehead ends up being China, well, well, you're just going to get sanctioned by China's regulations. All right. And uh, we've covered some of this as like how they kind of, kind of slick it in. It's not necessarily over the, the top or it's not like above board. It's, it's not necessarily legit. For instance, we talked about how Twitter was under the, the whiplash of some State Department employees, but they also had spies embedded at the company, and Twitter didn't really care. So if there were some regulatory strings and pulleys from the Tencent party in China, you know, the, the security controls at the company were so lax and slack that they could go in there and, and really, like, China could say, okay, we want people who do this to not have access to their Twitter accounts. And some rando that they picked out and said, do this or else, Chinese spy, uh, then they went, They could li- really go in there and, and take those people out for a period of time and, and bar their access to their accounts. And the company, because it was so confused and disorganized, wouldn't know what was happening. They'd be like, oh, did that happen? Oh, well, let's just take care of that. And then they also had contracts with the, with the State Department to do this to other individuals outside of the country that were using Twitter, etc. They also did it at Facebook. So this crap is the kind of crap that's already happening using the internet. 
Twitter in particular wanted to run a digital ID quorum because they they got involved with Square payment systems. So we're we're seeing common threads. And these things all have been going on for at least ten years. So I just want you to stay focused that they're there. The strings of this mighty web are there, and you could get stuck in them. So Amy has a comment here. Depends on how much how programmable it is. Uh, Jonathan says, committee members admitted CBDC is the most insidious surveillance mechanism known to man. Oh, and China does it. It's like, well, let's let's just keep going. None of these comments are untrue, but it's insidious. Mass surveillance is insidious in general. So, it ain't good. It ain't for the Fourth Amendment. It ain't for America. So, whew. Okay. So China is trying to catch up to the United States, and they're using various methods to try to catch up. Norloff added that for China, it's crucial to create a CBDC in order to get anywhere close to where the U.S. dollar is today. Why should we engage in a CBDC so that China can feel like they're equals? This is reverse dumpster logic. I'm going to move on to the next item. Listen. If it's up to the UN, and the UN just suddenly gets kind of hypnotized by China somehow, I, I, I miraculously think that this could happen, because it did happen during the pandemic. And, you know, if, if they're incompetent, Dutch, which they may be, I want you to know what a, what a UN digital ID, this is for the people who work for them right now. They're like, this is what they're introducing right now, so I'm just going to run this clip. This is their UN digital ID. This is live on the internet right now. Digital transformation is changing the way we manage our data, our information, our interactions, and our identities online. The United Nations is ready to digitally transform how it deals with identity, with a system to streamline information sharing, daily workflows, access to platforms and buildings, operating across agencies, by providing its personnel with a universal, system-wide identity solution. Introducing the UN Digital ID. A unique and digital identity for UN personnel from the day you join to the day you part. All of your personal, HR, medical, travel, security, payroll and pension data in the palm of your hand, giving you full control on what you share and with whom. With blockchain and biometrics, the UN Digital ID makes verification efficient, secure, transparent, immutable, portable and universal. It's been piloted by different agencies and the UN Pension Fund where they've replaced current manual processes with certainty for who and where pension recipients say they are at any given time. Imagine a regional field office has just joined the UN. She uses the mobile app to obtain a digital wallet, stored securely in her smartphone and only accessible to her with biometrics. Even better than a physical wallet, she can store all her credentials issued by any UN organization in her digital wallet. She has immediate access to course certificates, travel clearances from UNDSS, medical records from allergies to vaccinations, also making any transfer to another organization a breeze. As innovation transforms the world, we can improve the way we manage our identities online. UN Digital IDs, a building block for digital cooperation, unlocking the promise of the SDGs. You'd like that little bluegrass twist at the end there? That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. That's exactly what they have in China. They have a WePay system that is, it's got every record from cradle to grave 
the whole of everything concentrated, centralized in your phone. Now, the whole idea behind Bitcoin sanity was it's a decentralized currency with anonymity. Okay, and, and that's not just so you can buy disgusting porn on the internet, which people do, but it is because it is free of repressive elements that do come from governments. That is why Bitcoin evolved as an, a central, decentralized, independent currency. Okay? Because this was what was coming. They saw it and they're like, no, 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 no. We need a competitive currency to move people's money out of that system because we see that this is coming down the pipeline and it's only gotten worse since Mr. Dots got in office. So I'm going to move to this editorial. CBDCs and the Great Reset are coming quicker than you think. And this is um, an article by John Galt, who is obviously a libertarian, you know, pen name. So just stick your finger under your nose and say, it's a disguise. So, editor's note, CBDC Gold and the Great Reset, we have written plenty on the risk of global central bank digital currency implementation CBDCs. And one of the most immediate risks is that of central banks and governments being able to surveil and track your transactions. Amen. So another wide-scale risk is that the commercial banking system will be rendered obsolete and that all private money will be made public, which means that the government shall own your stuff somehow. I don't know. They'll figure it out. Socialized. Um, The biggest risk we thought would be for central banks to implement the negative interest rates forcing people to spend when governments decide that it's in their best interest. We decide. Real-world use has shown us how creative governments can be. China using CBDC to, to track and ban people from traveling or getting an education. Canada seizing bank accounts and private crypto accounts, also not quite as accessible as CBDCs of nonviolent protesters of the government, the possibilities and variations are endless, and if a dark Orwellian future is upon us, CBDCs are the perfect tool for governments to seize not only financial assets, but freedoms from their citizens, including basic financial freedoms. Um, the only great reset in favor of individual freedom and monetary soundness is physical and privately stored gold to- coins or bars, which very few of us have. And once that happens, the revaluation of gold prices will be far more significant than most of the world realizes. Um, John Galt says, I've been addressing the war on cash lately, and for good reason. While everyone's attention is focused on the war in Ukraine, inflation and the Supreme Court government plans to eliminate cash are accelerating. For example, central bank digital currencies are coming faster than many people anticipated. Again, underreported. Tell, tell the masses, the digital yuan is already here. It was introduced in China last February during the Winter Olympics during COVID. Visitors to the Olympics were required to pay for meals, hotels, transportation, etc. using QR codes on their mobile phones that link to digital yuan accounts and their IDs. Nine other countries have also launched CBDCs. Europe isn't far behind and is testing the digital euro under the auspices of the European Central Bank. The U.S. was lagging but is catching up fast. The Federal Reserve was studying a possible Fed CBDC at a research facility in MIT. Um, Now the idea has moved from the research stage to preliminary development. 
Um, Fed J. Powell says, a U.S. CBDC could potentially help maintain the dollar's international standing. I don't know how. But this has little to do with technology or monetary policy and everything to do with herding you into digital cattle shoots where you can be slaughtered with an account freeze, seizure, etc. It is not crypto. First off, CBDCs are not cryptocurrencies. CBDCs are digital in form and are recorded from ledger maintained by a central bank or finance ministry and the measure and message traffic is encrypted. Still, the resemblance to crypto ends there. The CBDC ledgers do not use blockchain and the CBDCs definitely don't embrace the decentralized issuance model hailed by the crypto crowd. So the CBDCs will be highly centralized and tightly controlled by central banks. So the central bank can maintain the CBDC ledger and what this what might happen, I'm just going to break out there by saying, okay, they may make it so that you can't transfer available U.S. dollars to that are only available into CBDCs. Like if you go, if you use your Visa bank card today, you know, you're, you can put, I don't know, $400 from say your tips as a waitress into your bank account. From there, you use your Visa bank card to your debit to buy a Bitcoin or a part of a Litecoin or Ethereum. Okay. And you use that to buy other things. So in the future, that would be moved. Visa would move the from the credit to the CBDC dollar exclusively. And if the government issuing body says this person is an un, is an unsanctioned citizen, uh, we, they shall not move it to a decentralized currency such as Bitcoin. Then you're kind of hacked off. So. Um, unless you move your money to say like an independent you know bank card yo bank card I don't know I don't know how they're going to get around it uh, if if the government wants to sanction you or, or create a criminality around you because what has been happening is that people who have done nothing illegal are being criminalized by banks the banks are treating them like judge, jury, and sanctioner enterprise. For instance, this week there were reports that uh, Visa is flagging legal gun sale purchases if they're if they're using a Visa, you know, or a Mastercard. Okay, and how they did this was by manipulating the um, the ISO standards agent so this is again this is another parallel government that is not government trying to regulate your legal access to things that you have access to and sanctioning things that you have access to now how did they make those calls someone in the government who did not make a law and who did not create any law um, got really creative and asked the standards people to create those standards okay and there should be a legal challenge to that and it is coming the NRA is lit over this but you know it's not the first there will be others you know because that is for whatever side you're on in the gun position 
uh, it's a legal behavior. It is an absolutely lawful thing to do in the United States to purchase a gun. You know, if you pass a background check, if you do anything else, you shouldn't be flagged or treated like a criminal for purchasing a gun. And the government will already know that you have a gun because you had a you know three background checks and flags and all this other stuff but now the the credit agencies are to treat you with special contempt as well so the, the government really shouldn't be doing that that's an outside that's an outside power that they shouldn't be using and it's it shouldn't be done i'm sorry it should not be done it's not the way to do things um Let's say let's take this to the natural extreme, but it isn't isn't that extreme. Okay, so I mentioned this as well. There was an executive order on advancing biotechnology. There are people who want themselves to become money, and they want to integrate biology with money. And I I've covered that a little bit in the past as well, um, with the one transaction system. You swipe your visa. You hold your hand over a, a palm vein reader. It records your your vein palm, the you know, for biometric credential. And then afterwards, whenever you show your hand to the credential reader, uh, then it charges your Visa card. So they're integrating the payment system technologies with your biology. So that's why this this particular executive order feels like a real smack. Um, they are threatened by something. These great resetters are threatened by something. They're like, we got to get it done now because of Mr. Dots. So the Executive Order on Advancing Biotechnology and Biomanufacturing Innovation for Sustainable, Safe, and Secure Bioeconomy. And this was September 12th. Totally unreported. By the authority vested in me as president of the by the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America, it is hereby ordered as follows. Uh, section policy, some brief explanation, Secretary of Energy, Secretary of Agriculture, Secretary of Commerce, in consultation with the Secretary of Defense and Secretary of HHS, the heads of other appropriate agencies are de as determined by the Secretary of Commerce shall submit a report assessing how to use biotechnology and biomanufacturing to strengthen the resilience of the United States supply chains. Wow! So, next is the director of the National Science Foundation. Within 100 days of receiving the reports required under subsection A of this, the director of OSTP, in coordination with the director of the OMB, which is the Office of Management and Budget, the APNS, oh, alphabet soup, and the heads of appropriate agencies as determined through the NSM2 process shall develop a plan, implementation plan, to implement the recommendations in their reports. And the development of this implementation plan shall also include the solicitation of input from external experts regarding potential ethical implications or other societal impacts including environmental sustainability, <laughs> environmental justice, and the recommendations of, in the reports under subsection of the section. Now this this environmental des designation, while normally 
would have a welcome feeling. But it has become some sort of sanctioned poison. Um, and, and the meaning and jurisdiction of an environmental sustainability has become ESG, which is just, it's just laundry for sanctions. And I don't want it to be like that. But they are the ones who are creating the famines and walking into small sto- small stores and and saying, you know, if you if you dissent even a little bit, we'll choke your shit. We'll make it so that you can't live, and this is this is unacceptable. This is untenable. So you should resist with all your might, because the government should not be all powerful. Because it's not a representative state if they can make the legal criminal by a diktat. That is a dictatorship. It is no longer the government we agreed agreed to. It is no longer a democracy run with the checks and balances of the people. So um, with that, uh, that's my final assessment of what's going on, is that there's there's a plan here, and it's definitely an inbound Great Reset stuff. But we're keeping tabs on it and telling you what's going on. Um, the The design is to get a digital ID so that they know who you are, so that they can sanction you on demand, in a, in a petty way, because it's already happened. <laughs> okay, so I will open up the calls now. It's been 29 minutes. Does anybody want to talk toward the subject matter? So going once, going twice, thank you guys for joining us here on The Unsanctioned Citizen, and that is our time. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access Unsanctioned Citizen podcast archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio podcasts, and call-in. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.